This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk, back again with you guys for another episode of the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat Podcast, episode 12. And we've got the full team back together. That's what the international break does. It gives you that time to relax, rest, recover, uh, get rid of any niggling injuries that you've got in the group. And we've managed to do that and we've got the full team at full strength today. I'm joined as always by Dr. Raj. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm good. Looking forward to the return of uh, of real football this weekend, so... Yes, indeed. Haven't we all uh, been willing that to, to return and get back into existence? Sophie, how are we? Epic. Good to be back. Thank you for having me once again. At ease, everyone. Always. Always. All good. All good. And Owen, how are you, my friends? Uh, bored. Bored of this silly international <laughs> football. I can't wait for real football to return. And uh, it's great to have the band back together. We're sort of like a late 90s boy band there for a while you know we all went away and did our separate solo career stuff but eventually <laughs> we've all cashed in and come back for the grand reunion <laughs> yeah yeah really is uh getting ready to try and get ready to tickets for busted's reunion tour oh, yeah. so uh yeah, don't mind this uh, don't act like you aren't into that <laughs> which one of you is harry styles which one of Look. you is harry styles oh, we're going to do the one direction mm. route Dark. He's the only. Real He's the first one I thought of. I was going to go level. Robbie Williams, but I thought <laughs> I didn't want to age myself. There you go. <laughs> oh, let's kick off with the international break. Doc, what's your tip for fans who have been struggling for future international breaks? What have you been doing throughout this to get through it? I'm just just been watching. Probably I've watched a few of the previous matches for certain. Been watching a lot of the comps. Um, watched a lot of Declan Rice comps. For some reason, I saw a bunch of them on Twitter, so um, saw that. Um, yeah, that's about it. Just been relaxing for the most part. So I'm mean, not escaping I'm... from Arsenal at all. Just watching transfer <laughs> transfer compilations on yeah. YouTube. I mean, it's, uh... It wasn't bad for me because I was still adapting. Not still, but you know, coming back. Jordan is a big time jump, so coming back probably wasn't a mm. bad time to have that. 
Indeed, yeah. Had a, a time away, which sounded fantastic. So, any recommendations for people that you experience whilst on your two weeks off? What I've noticed is I think some Arsenal fans took some time off. You, know, you can see that in when you're doing a show or in the live chat, you know, who's there, who isn't. Feel like everyone's recuperating, rejuvenating before this 10 game stretch, the final act of the season, the crescendo, right? So, um, yeah, uh, we've been doing shows to keep people company, talking a little bit of old school stuff. Covered the US men's team. So, got to have a little wee chat, ask a couple questions to Matt Turner, which was fun. Yeah. Um, Austin Trusty was in the squad as well. Um, mm. And Balogun was stealing the headlines without even playing. So that's what I've been up to and how I've been coping. Yeah, he needed the Peter Odin wingy version of, of international <laughs> football arriving to the US, <laughs> which was special. Um, but yeah, no, we're still oh, to get so confirmation good. on what his future looks like on an international scene. Contacts of mine tell me he has no need to rush that decision at the moment. I think that's probably the advice he's, he's been given. Mm. Um, lastly, Owen, anything special happening into the international break? Yeah, I've uh, sort of converted... Um, to religion and not one in particular probably about five or six i've simply been locked in a room praying for the safe return of every <laughs> single one of arsenal's players that are out <laughs> on international duty um, yeah. it, it's a nice. man i absolutely despise this uh this period um it just gets to me look i understand uh national pride and and the want to play for your country and support your country in this but when there's such high stakes you know like we're talking multi, multi million. <laughs> exactly, Sophie. Thank you. Um, now I feel it's bad luck that I haven't rubbed it. Now, if anything happens, that's your fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's multi millions of pounds on the stake here, and there's people running about, you know, like we've seen, I'm sure we can discuss the Rodri tackle on Odegaard. There's just so many narratives that can be pushed out there through the course of this, and it's a nerve wracking time enough as it is, let alone without this meaningless football being played with uh, valuable assets. That's probably a good place to start. Uh, Raj, as you were watching so many compilations, you probably did catch a glimpse of Rodri's tackle uh, on Martin Erdegaard. Erdegaard played and completed uh, their 1-1 draw with Georgia uh, this evening. Yeah. Uh, Kovac Shkelia starting, of course, for the Georgians uh, and will be there kind of leading light in the next decade plus, you'd imagine, on the international scene. But Norway uh, struggled in that game, it seems, and only came out of that 1-1 draw. But it was the game against Spain um, in which, obviously... Uh, we saw that attack from Rodri, which Kieran Tinney and co have certainly uh, given them some karma um, and retribution because they're currently, I was looking at it, was it 2-0? I don't know if it's still 2-0 as we record, but 2-0 up on Spain. Unlucky Rodri. But what did you make of that tackle in that moment? I mean, it was terrible. That was a terrible tackle. I don't know how it's not a penalty. That's I don't. Mm. That's beyond me. I mean, I'll tell you how the referees are dreadful, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. I didn't. I mean, that was like, uh, I don't understand that. It was just a terrible tackle. Went in, studs up late. Uh, I mean, luckily, it was like Odegaard came out of it without, you know, he played 90 today, so he's okay. Um, so that, that was okay. I know Rodri, uh, he had a tackle versus Tierney in the match that the Tierney picked up a knock, but he walked off to the bench and he was on the pitch afterwards today, too. So, um, and based on the engagement with that tweet, I think to Sophie's point, Arsenal fans are definitely coming back because um, everyone's you know a bit irritated right now about with Rodri. So it doesn't look like I mean, like everything's okay. Obviously, you had there's that you know slight I think precautionary with Partey, right? So 
doesn't seem like anyone has picked up an overt injury. There's a reason why the physio went with went with Partey. So I, I, it sounds like that was just all precautionary, and everyone should be ready to go for leads. Other than you know the soccer playing two full nineties, I believe, right? And so just fatigue potentially coming into play. So we'll see where that goes, of course. But I expected him to play. I expected soccer to play a lot. So. At least no well, England, we don't really have another right winger from England's perspective. Jared yeah, Bowen's the obvious one. But who who's going to come in and replace Saka in this team? And so it's it's very difficult to to pinpoint who does. Obviously, Sophie, another thing that we've been able to use the, the break for is to it's a bit of a cheat code for players that get injured just before and that are going mm. to be out for a little bit. William Saliba was that guy. Um, information coming out uh, yesterday, because it's going out, of course, tomorrow morning as we record it on Tuesday evening, um, that it's uh, supposedly a, a minor hamstring issue that could cost him a couple of weeks. It's frustrating, but I suppose that's one of the benefits of the international break, isn't it? That you've got kind of a, a week and a bit of no club football to allow players to rest and recuperate. And in the case of, say, Gabriel Jesus to get more match fitness. Smith Rowe is arguably as well. He's playing for the under-21s. Yeah, that was great seeing Smith Rowe play and score as well. Um, that mm-hmm. was brilliant for us. That's a player that last season scored 10 goals and accepted his role coming off the bench. I mean, seriously, if he can play a role in these last 10 games the way we know that he can, um, that would just add a totally different layer to how, you know, we approach this final act of the season. Um, you know, the rest at some point, you, you as an Arsenal fan, you say, do you want to keep going with the momentum? Let's just close this, right? But you're 100% right because, you know, the fatigue is kicking in. Um, we've got, you, you know, the Europa League, I think that took a lot out of us that last game. Uh, now we're back to playing, you know, once a week. So I think it's good for us that, you know, some of these players have had the rest. Saliba not playing. I mean, I, I hope it's just a couple games because I don't really want Rob Holding playing more than two games. Um, you know, we talked about him a little bit, but you know, that's the, the only concern. Yes, the rest, but he's still going to miss what Leeds and Liverpool is what you're saying, Tom? Yeah, it could be potentially Liverpool. We don't know the full extent. It could be that he he just misses Leeds from the sound of things, but there aren't any guarantees. We'll hear from Arteta on Friday, 1.30pm is his press conference. Yeah, I mean, we have to trust that Rob Holding can come in and do a job for a couple games, right? Hopefully he's learned from his mistake last season. He had a really good game just before the international break, deputised well. So, yeah, I mean, for us, I think it was good. Um And real quick, just to touch on this, because I mentioned it to you, the question that kept coming up to Matt Turner in the U.S. men's national team press conference was Arsenal and the Premier League. And usually you have to be really careful, as you know, Tom, about maybe asking too many Premier League Arsenal questions during an international presser. Uh, yeah. But uh, he, they were allowing it and everyone was riding with it. And the thing that kept coming up was this break. And if it's an ill-timed moment for Arsenal. And his answer was so elite, the way he handled it and the way he talked about it, um, the mentality of the manager, but the players, and he put the onus on the players. And that's something that we haven't heard in a long, long time. And so they clearly were prepared for this moment. And he communicated that really well in such a concise, um, deliberate way that this international break was no vacay. You're not going to see your buddies. You're going to do your job and you're coming back and you're going to have the same mindset. 
So yes, you know, good timing, but also totally locked in. And if he's locked in and he's not starting every week, what's that starting eleven looking like? Sorry, that took a little bit long, but then I remember oh, no, Matt absolutely. And congratulations to Matt Turner on his uh, baby daughter announcement as well. Of course, um, they did a gender reveal. I don't know if you saw the the clips of that. Did you see it? The kicking some, of the some people ball? did not like that, did they? Some did they not? Did. I haven't seen it. I, I've only seen the video. I thought it was quite yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was cute. It was a great way to end the game. And he was, you know, he was he made he was their best player in the first half, making a great save. You know, he, you can see his confidence. And he said that without Arsenal and playing with the players he is and Mikel, he's not starting for the United States. And yeah, congrats to him. No, exactly. There's yeah, I mean, it's interesting that Owen because Matt Turner's not the only one, of course, that is still playing for their country despite not necessarily starting uh for their club. Jakub Kivior started both games um for Poland um in, in their games over the, the break. It didn't play apparently play that well in the first one, but was better in in the second. It's difficult sometimes to see uh, kind of pathways for players like Jakub Kivior when there's already someone like Gabriel, you know, in his place and seeing what he might bring to the team. But do you see a potential future for him or any way of getting minutes in the side? Absolutely. I think it's uh, I think it's really um, harsh to try and compare him, which is inevitable. You know, he's obviously playing in the same position as Gabriel, but something that we've sort of cast aside when we're thinking about Gabriel is that he really um you know uh entered the water if you like that with uh in a turbulent time you know he was playing with david luis we were going through a really rough period that i'd say that if you probably looked back at him individually he's probably come on leaps and bounds since then and a, a much more polished player uh so oh, to compare to compare jacob kibior to him uh I think would be a little unfair and um, he's obviously somebody who i think hasn't how, how many cumulative minutes has this guy played uh since leaving syria not many at, at, at all you know and he's coming in adapting to a new league um give the guy time you know let's learn from our mistakes we've done this before the signings you know not everybody can be a leandro trossard and hit the ground running at 100 miles an hour um seemingly from people that know much more about the player than I do. Um, Harry Simeu is someone we know who's madly into his uh, Italian football and he swears down the fact that he's a very, very good accomplished player. There's been small glimpses, I think, on the ball and stuff at times. His range of passing looks quite good. Uh, Physically, he looks quite good. I think at this stage, it's just about getting minutes into his legs. The unfortunate thing for him, I think, is those options are going to be limited for the remainder of this season. He actually played at left-back um, for Poland in their game against Albania as well. 90 minutes there. Left centre-back again there. 3-1 defeat against uh, Czech Republic. But interesting that, you know, he's got that versatility. Uh, Tommy Asu's out. Uh, Tini, of course, is still there as well. But it's good to have options uh, and have those players that can potentially play there. Um, moving away from kind of the international break and looking ahead to the game against Leeds United, of course, this weekend. One of the big kind of dominating stories is is yesterday, as in Tuesday. And we, as I said before, you know, this is launching and, and live premiering on, on Wednesday morning was that the uh, last uh, announcement of the available tickets for Arsenal against Wolves released for Silver members. And it's fair to say that on social media, there was a bit of a meltdown. Um, Fans desperately trying to get hold of tickets uh, weren't able to do it. 
And of course, we've got this issue at the moment with, unfortunately, bot accounts that are kind of gobbling up all of the available uh, member tickets. I actually have written a piece that's out already at this time that you'll be hearing this, uh, in which I actually spoke to Arsenal and got a a comment from them about, it's quite a lengthy comment, so I won't read it all to you now. Um, you can read the whole comment on football.london, and it's the highlighted piece on, on the website. But what I will tell you from that is that... Um, they have, we've implemented, this is them speaking, a spokesperson from the club told me, we've implemented new and improved technology to prevent bot activity, to do everything we can to put tickets in the hands of our supporters. This has resulted in more than 300,000 suspected bots being blocked from the ticketing site in recent weeks. Um, and that's just recent weeks. So that kind of gives you the scale and extent when we heard from them in february they said they blocked around twenty five thousand. so we're talking now upwards of two hundred seventy five thousand in the space since february um that they've now managed to block with this technology and still fans are very angry and frustrated that they're not being able to get tickets so raj obviously the club had taken this seriously and they're trying to put measures in place to to prevent this but it's a problem that doesn't necessarily seem to be slowing down from the reaction that we're seeing as well yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it, to me, it reminds me of more of a U.S. sport where you see this all the time where, mm. and the teams don't really do anything about it, unfortunately. So the price just go up and up and up. So at the least, I'm glad to see the club taking you know, relatively immediate action on it. It's still unfortunate because you do see more and more pictures of like empty seats because seats, I mean, seats are going unsold because they're being gobbled up, right? And so... I mean, um, I hope that they, they're able to continue to, you know, kind of make their make that tech more and more aware of bots and you know get bots off the site. And so, I it's just I I I'm I'm sure bot technology is also advancing, right? So it kind of goes it goes back and forth on that regard. Yeah, and I mean, so if I was coming from an MLS perspective, Arsenal playing against the MLS All Stars in the summer, tickets went on sale for them uh yesterday and sold out within five hours i believe um yeah. but i've again i've seen some a lot of comments regarding the price that was attached to these these tickets what have you made of, of the reaction that you've seen if any i just think um by the way real quick are there other clubs that have the same problem we do tom do you I've know not if this seen is... or heard of it this season I've I've not seen the same issues. There's yeah. obviously a, a lot of it being attributed to the fact that Arsenal being in a title challenge has made them rightfully in high demand. But there are these bot accounts that obviously are right. picking up these tickets. You know, it's similar to if you're not winning, right? Fans were complaining about ticket prices definitely more so when we're not really putting out a competitive team in the Premier League. It seems like when you're paying premium prices but you're not getting a return on your investment, the product isn't good, then there's more reason to complain. There's less complaining about price and it's more availability this season, right? But in general, um, concert tickets are so out of... I don't know what the price is like in England these days, but concert tickets here are ridiculously priced. Sporting event tickets are ridiculously priced. This is why people still go to baseball sometimes because you could still get a ticket for maybe 20 hey, bucks <laughs> and in enjoy Chicago. a long day out with the Chicago dog, um, Tom. You have a great time. Uh, you know, I cover LA Galaxy and LAFC. LA Galaxy haven't been doing as well, but this, their ticket prices are still premium prices uh, because, you know, location, product, uh, they're not going to dilute their own 
they may dilute their own product on the field by making bad decisions. But from the marketability point of view, these sports teams are going to try and maximize every single cent and dollar. Um, I feel for fans. Here's who I feel for. I feel for fans who have been going during the dog times. And it's those fans that are right now struggling to get tickets. And look, Arsenal are good. Again, people want to go. That's a good thing. But I do feel for the fans, and I know a few of them, that can't get tickets. And, you know, they were there for games against, you know, whoever during the dark yeah. times. Yeah, and there, there have been. I mean, even recently, we think of this finishing back-to-back eighth-place finishes, and there were fans, obviously, there was a season where we didn't have fans in grounds, but fans that went after the, the pandemic and uh, were there to to witness some some pretty terrible results um, still after that point and before that. And there's also the other side of the coin, which is, you know, fans that dream of going to the Emirates from abroad that get up at ridiculous o'clock in the morning, like obviously yourself, Sophie and Raj both do, um, to watch the games. And obviously those in over in Australia, which get up and, and obviously other Eastern countries that watch at ridiculous times in the morning again, that dream of coming to the Emirates and they can't plan their trips because it's impossible to be able to buy tickets um, and to then get a, a flight over and accommodation on seating with, you know, family and friends that you want to go with. And obviously Arsenal, you are limited in the stadium to 60,000 seats. So well, I'm just under 60,000 seats that are available to be purchased. And then there's only a proportion of that can, that can be bought because a lot of that is taken up by season ticket holders as well, quite rightly, who have their season tickets and have had them for year and year and year. But, it's yeah, it's frustrating for for fans obviously that want to go. Owen, kind of your thoughts on this? And part of the piece actually was um, getting some reaction from fans who go through the process of this every single week, month that sit kind of for an hour and a half in a queue and then don't end up getting the ticket. It does seem like something could be done to try and change this. Someone suggested to me that they should do like a ballot system instead, where you all kind of enter a ballot and then you're contacted if you were successful in getting a ticket which could be maybe a way around the bot system yeah yeah and look any ideas i'd be completely open to uh i know i have through family ties access to the two season tickets and um over recent years and in the past they've been accessible for almost any game you want and literally this season you have absolutely no chance of getting into them i haven't sat in them seats once this year um, the last game I was over for was uh, Man United, uh, which was obviously a, a, a brilliant game. But on the train ride in, um, I was with uh, three other Irish guys that had just met. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, it's on the train and they were saying that they were being quoted 750 quid for a ticket to the match and they were landing over with no tickets whatsoever. And what, what aggravates me is that 
and let's not only say just to, to ticket touts even there's you know we all see the people shifting out tickets outside the stadiums and stuff like that there's merchants that want to go out and and take people for everything they have and i feel for those guys who are coming over who have potentially children at home have a missus have bills to pay have rent to pay and they just love the club and they can literally take them for anything that they, you want and uh and leave them in really difficult positions but listen the one thing that i will say is that and this might sound a bit uh spoilt <laughs> if you'd like to say that but even as i mentioned my access to those two season tickets where were these people as sophie mentioned when we were getting slapped when i was going over and not knowing if we were going to win and not knowing what kind of players we were going to see put out on the pitch where were all these people then you know you even hear talk of a lot of people who are saying people who have had season tickets are rocking up for the first time in maybe five six seven years and 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 that's what I don't like. Being a supporter is about being there through the rough and the good times. And unfortunately, it's just the way the system works is that these people are in the position to have the tickets in hand and it's their right to be in those seats. But look, the bot thing obviously is a massive issue, but I think we all need to come to the realization as well is that the sixty thousand seater uh capacity, the, like how how many Arsenal fans are there nationwide. I tell you what really does drive me mad though. It's more so the embargo with three o'clock kickoffs. You know, if we're having this issue, if people can't even get into the stadium, like how much do I, I know I pay 80 quid a month at least for, for Sky, 35 pound a month for BT Sports. You've got your Amazon Prime that games are on as well. So I think what's aggravating, what there needs to be a blanket approach to football that makes the game more accessible to UK-based fans because it's unfortunate. Even you mentioned there, Tom, it's pricey enough for someone like you and Kent to go to an Arsenal match yeah. I have to pay for flights and hotels and everything as it is you know it, it's really they're, they're 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 squeezing as much money out of the common fan as they can and, and, and it's pretty aggravating and isolating at times I think How long before clubs do their own deal with networks Raj like Notre Dame do their own deal with ABC right um, how far away are we from Stuff like that happening. I mean, it's a great question. I just don't, I don't know the legality. I don't know how it works in terms of legality of it in the UK versus the US, which is much more kind of just like US is wherever the money is, it works. So um, that's the US in a nutshell. That's why you see the Arsenal price is going for 300, right? Uh, I don't know how it works in the UK to that extent and how much it's, 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 it's uh, still governed or how much it's regulated that's that's the word i'm looking for regulated so. i mean what, what what's stopping arsenal from doing their own deal with nbc or amazon it's obviously the premier league own the television rights and then they mm-hmm. will divvy up the money to to the clubs based right, on right. where you, you finish i don't even know where you finish i think maybe you, there is an equal spread actually of, to, of television rights whereas that in other countries like spain for instance that's not the case you know for a long time Barcelona and Real Madrid were getting a huge chunk of the television profits, which is why we saw such kind of a split in in and a gap appearing between the, mm. the richest and the poorest clubs in countries like Spain. Right. In the UK, we're starting to see that split more. I don't know if Arsenal would have any power to be able to go to a television company because would, it would, would breach your su- conflict. Would you know? the Super League do that? So the Super League, for example, they could mm-hmm. do that. They, yeah, they so could make Arsenal their own TV deal. To leave, you know the Premier League or European competition and just jumped into it. So, I mean, the Premier League have made up rules now which suggest, which are in place since the Super League fiasco, which dictate that you cannot be a Premier League club effectively 
and join one of these super leagues like if you you just you can't do it I think that you know we all know eventually we're moving towards that I mean the Champions League is restructuring into basically what is a super league you know you're you're moving into a league round robin system where some clubs are going to gain access to that tournament due to their coefficient or their historic ranking even if they don't qualify which is wrong and massively hypocritical of, of their own and UEFA's own kind of criticisms of the Super League. Um, there's a Club World Cup that's going to get restructured now that from FIFA, they're looking to, I think, expand that to something like 32 clubs based upon coefficients. So look, that's going to get televised and obviously that the rights that will go. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, dialing it all the way back to the rudimentary level of the 3 p.m., embargoes the idea of that for those listening that aren't aware the reason why we have that is that it's I, the idea is to encourage uk-based fans to go watch their local uh clubs right. um because if there's a premier league game on it's harder for the local lower league clubs to attract punters to games um which i understand absolutely and entirely um but there, I think there is has to be an argument that now, you know, as fast forward ahead as 2023, that, you know, not being able to watch. I mean, I think it's something like four out of the last five or six Arsenal games have not been televised in the UK. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, here we get everything, right? Mm-hmm. I can watch any game anytime, mm. right? Yeah, with and Peter Drury on commentary. With Peter Drury as well, who has been a poet just I lately. Mean, that's I just mean, not fair. It's just amazing. <laughs> It's getting to a stage now where I feel as though when I see Peter Jury in the press lounge, I almost feel tempted to put a tweet out like a transfer is being announced. Like, Peter Drury is here. He's going to be commentating on the game. I mean, he's just velvet. He's just amazing. Uh, I always just don't understand why, even with the Premier League and and Sky, for example, there isn't a subscription-based model where you pay for your blanket blanket coverage of, of your Premier League and for an additional cost, you subscribe to your team whichever team that is. Now, how that money's distributed fairly throughout the league and throughout the football pyramid is a different story altogether. But as you said, Tom, 2023, the fact that I have to find means and methods uh, to watch 3pm games when it's being televised over in America and I'm literally just across the water, it's uh, it's 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 sickening at times. And the rationale behind it is so old school now. I mean, the world's just completely evolved and changed. You know, supporters behave differently and they do different. I, I just find that just, you know, MLS, I think their new model is really working great and it is going to help elevate the league in some ways. But, you know, everyone plays on, some fans are upset there's no midweek game or a Sunday game, but everyone plays on Saturday You've got everything in a package. You know, you can hit your club stuff. There's in-studio. I mean, it's a very, very well-presented package. Um, I I just think – I'm asking the question because the clubs have so much power, so much fandom. They haven't even – they monetize the business, but there's so much to monetize still, and I that's why I kind of, like, lobbed. Yeah, I mean, streaming is going to be the future. You know, television eventually is going to – it it was probably going to be outdated at some point. And um, you can absolutely see the the clubs turning around saying, well, if we all band together and agree, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to either leave the Premier League or, you know, form their own league or whatever instead of the positions, they could sell the rights to to view their competitions however Mm -hmm. they want, you'd think. I mean, that was – that was the basis of the Super League, right? Yeah. Like, Which you is Sky Sports, Sky Sports had the rights to Super League. Would they, would they have complained about the Super League? Not really. 
Absolutely. No. And that's why Arsenal joined, because they yeah. felt as though if they didn't, right. they'd be at a significant disadvantage to those sides. So whilst we were all really angry with the club, and rightly, because the idea of the Super League in its in its um, structure that it was being yeah. you know put forward as was ludicrous, but I didn't really have necessarily a an anger at Arsenal for joining it because I absolutely understood why they did. Because if mm-hmm. they if it had have gone ahead, what on earth would have happened to Arsenal Football Club from a competitive standpoint, from a financial standpoint, you know? So it's yeah. delicate ground. People won't necessarily like that. I understand that, but I, I, that's that's the reality, you know. You know how some people are keeping Arteta receipts. Well, I'm keeping the Cronky receipts. Just wanted everyone to know <laughs> which ones. One. I just got a few. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, yeah, like there's a few. I am Josh Cronky saying that he will never. Uh, we'll never see a home competitive league game played away from North London. That's the one I'm holding on to more than any other, you know, because, you know, the more you see the Spanish Super Cup played in the Middle East, things like that, you know, it's for me, that's not that's not the way forwards. I know that there's a lot of listeners of the channel that tell me differently that are obviously based in those countries and feel that they're denied access to games because that Arsenal obviously are located in North London or pre-season in just one location every summer. And so that's becoming more and more just US-based because of our links, of course, over there. It's back-to-back US trips now we've had. Um, so I get that. But for me, you know, there are some games that you can play outside. You know, the Club World Cup is a great chance to spread club football around the world, no matter what you might think of that. But a Premier League home game has to be played in the home stadium of that team, period. Like it just it would if it's not it delegitimize delegitimizes that's a tricky word to say um, the, the the whole competition because as I've mentioned in an argument before if say last game of the season you're playing Leeds at home you know and your title rival was playing at home against another side further down the table and your home game is designated to be abroad on the last game of the season you're at a disadvantage because that game that you've played is no longer a home advantage for you so. It, you can't justify it being fair across the whole campaign. I'm not saying it's never going to happen because the way in which the world works, it probably will. Um, that's what NFL fans used to say. Well. Sorry, so what'd you say? I just that's what NFL fans used to say. Exactly. And where do we see the NFL now in London? <laughs> so, yeah. One thing I will say, I mean, being when I was I was in the Middle East for a week while games were going on, it's mm. really hard to find highlights. Like I got used to my 17 minute NBCN highlights after matches and being able to watch that and in jordan it's it was so hard to even find like three minutes of quality highlights so uh, yeah it was and and it's all tv rights right so it was really hard to find that so i can understand some of what what you know what they're saying not in terms of home games just in terms of access to some of those things just depending on what region you're in it, Mm -hmm. it it becomes you know exorbitantly more difficult I think that we've um we're yeah it's just going to be a thing that eventually transpires and increases gradually um and we'll probably see you know community shield games played in australia or played in the middle east or played in south america or who or africa even you know it's it's going to happen eventually um 
I don't like it. And Josh Cronkey's promised it won't, but we'll see uh, what indeed does happen in the future. Um, before we wrap up today's show, there was kind of a fun thing that we were going to do uh, before we did that. Um, you can notice that two of us are wearing um, Arsenal tops because the preparedness of this podcast is like no other. Um, no, it's my fault. I don't give them enough warning is, is what I don't do. Um, but um, in this morning's or yesterday morning's uh, 8 a.m. show, someone asked me what my most memorable or what an Arsenal shirt I'm attached to the most. So I thought it'd be fun if uh, the last thing we did on the SARP uh, podcast today was discuss that. Uh, I've got and I'm wearing the 2012-13 home shirt, which was the shirt of the first season I was able to, uh, first ever able to go to Arsenal uh, and watch Olivier Giroud score his first Arsenal goal, of which he is on the back of this shirt. On the same day that I shared the first kiss with my future wife, I will add that point in because it's a very important part uh, of my life. And I that was genuinely best day ever. You meet your future wife for the first, well, not for the first time, but that experience for the first time. And you watch your first Arsenal game. You cannot make it up. It is genuinely a great, great memory. Um, but I also got the guys to to bring in theirs and get their memories. Raj, we'll start with you because obviously you've not got yours to hand because you were in the office when I asked because that's my fault. But tell us what your most what we all, like what shirt you're most attached to that you own. I have a sh- an invincible shirt that probably has a few uh, you know a couple holes in it by now. But um, <laughs> that to me is probably you know I think that's just kind of the pinnacle. Not pinnacle, but it was just, you know, an incredible season. And there's just so many storylines throughout that. So, and that's probably what I hold on to most. I have, you know, a number of kits that I have, but in terms of when you asked me kind of one, one shirt, there was kind of an invincible shirt that I have, and it has like outlines of some of the players that, you know, and so with Wender there and like the, the gold, you know, the gold trophy. So that for me is really, um, what I what I hold on to in terms of better than a one shirt. Iconic, absolutely iconic. Owen, you're wearing yours. Talk to us about it. Yeah, it's a really difficult one because I we make really nice shirts as a football club. We, we do. Don't get me wrong. There's been some absolute tragedies of the <laughs> you know, but I always we were talking before the podcast, and I was saying it doesn't necessarily mean the fashion of of the shirt. You know, the design of the shirt. I think it. You get attached to a shirt because of what it makes you feel, and it's funny because I sort of when you asked me about the shirt, which one I'd want to wear. I remember when I was a kid, you know, going to school and stuff like that, and um, coming out, and you there was something about the Arsenal badge that even this one, not even the old one, even this one, there was something royal about it, something very intimidating about it. I felt you walked around with your chest puffed out when you were wearing the Arsenal badge, and it was one of those things back in the day that. You were walking about with a, and pardon the pun, but a level of invincibility about you. You know, when there was the the playground banter of slagging each other's football teams, nobody could really have a pop at you when you were an Arsenal fan. And for years, that polish was sort of wiped away from the crest, and people were, you know, walking around with their Arsenal jerseys on at times, you know, duping their heads and trying to stay out of those conversations. And this season, I find going to play five aside or when I wear my Arsenal jersey out, that feeling's back again. And and for me, this jersey, I think, uh, really embodies that sort of swagger of Arsenal. Remember Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp, Robert Perez walking around, you know, these guys walking around as if they were gods on earth. And and not only that there, we were mentioning there, Tom, you were talking about 
the fact that um, games being played away from North London. And for me, while I might sound old school or, or small-minded, to me, tradition matters. Tradition is really, really important. And as somebody that isn't even from you know, the Highbury area or the North London area, it, it matters to me. And that's why this jersey is, I think, so important to me because it's a recognition of not only where we were going, but where we came from. And whilst the move from Highbury was completely necessary, it's always important, I think, for Arsenal fans to have Highbury in their mind and still have it in their head that we are that sort of local, small, intimidating club uh, even though we're in this big shiny new stadium that isn't that shiny anymore, but it's a bit shinier now because they've done some work. Shinier, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it needs a bit more polishing, to be fair. Still, uh, but no, I, you know, it's spoken really well. It's it's a it's a memorable shirt, memorable season, of course, which ended nearly in the most perfect way possible. Maybe we'll avenge that one day. Sophie, you've got yours um, to hand, I know. I do. I have mine to hand, but I'm not I'm not going to add anything because Owen just put it beautifully and perfectly. And I feel that so is restored, like to wear whatever and be pr- proud. And it's just incredible. And for the kids today to be spoiled for choice about the plays they're going to put on the back of their shirt. I love that away shirt, the O2, the, the, I, I'm a huge fan of the yellow and the blue, right? I love it. And I was born in 71. My favorite piece is actually my 1971 double winning year, um, sweatshirt. It's the FA cup final. Uh, and it's so like iconic and vintage 79. Sorry. 71 is the year I was born 79 and I just love this and I love the old um I love the old uh, canon as well on it I'm not doing a very good job of showing it but I just love this match um it was one of my first real kind of big memories uh crazy Alan Sunderland that match was insane 3-2 really iconic so this is my favorite and I love that 0-2 blue collar with the little v there you know that but the away shirt I loved I love that. I'm a real sucker for the uh, the old school stuff. Yeah, no, we had that shirt in 2013-14, in the away shirt, the yellow one with the blue collar that Ozil uh, joined in as well. They really went old school with that one. Uh, the away kit for next season is supposedly going to be yellow, but not that yellow, which is annoying. It's like that limey yellow that we had before um, with a, a bruised banana-y type effect apparently. So we'll see how that one turns out. But there's a lot of gold on the home kit for next season in this celebration. This is awesome because I love like the yellow that's kind of meant to be gold. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. love that there's going to be gold on on stuff. All about it. Yeah, I Absolutely. think the black the black will be iconic too. I mean, it's an yeah. incredible design in this my season. Oh, it's it's an incredible. In it's terms of favorite of time, kit, it's probably my no... favorite kit. And then you look at the season, like if the season pans out how we hope, like you have the kit in a a massive inflection point year, I think fast forwarding, whatever, four or five years. And then that's, that's the kit. A lot of people will look at that means a lot to them. Mm. Because yeah, that black kit, I don't know. Like it's, I love rivaled the the bruised banana. It really has. Yeah, it's, it's the modern iteration of that retro yeah, style. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm so so annoyed though because it's like you, Tom. It's the best Arsenal kit ever made, in my opinion. As as somebody who loves to wear black, um, it, it's just <laughs> yeah, right up my great. street. It's but I'm really, slimming, really man. Very it, slimming. Well, it needs to be super <laughs> slimming for me. Is there anything? But it really annoys me the fact that forever, as much as I love that kit, Aston 
our co-host of the Gooners Pod, is always going to be the face <laughs> of that kid, it. and he's such an idiot. <laughs> He'll never let us Honestly, on that yeah, no, but that's that's an amazing, <laughs> amazing thing. Um, we are going to round things off there. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. As always, you can join our Strava group at www.strava.com/slash/clubs/slash/esarp. So make sure you join that. Um, Sophie, thank you for your time. Much appreciated as always. Thank you for having me. Great to see you guys and a lovely chat. Absolutely. Owen, always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, as always. We should do this again sometime, like next Tuesday. Yeah, we should. We should, perhaps. (laughs) We'll see. And lastly, Dr. Raj, last by no means least, of course. Thank you for jumping on, mate, as always. Of course. Thanks for having me. No problem. You can find Raj on Twitter at 3CB Performance. You can find Sophie at Highbury Squad and, of course, the fantastic channel over there as well. And you can find Owen at E-O-I-N Young AFC on Twitter as well. That's Owen, just Irish. Um, but thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate your time. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. And we'll see you again very soon. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.